So, hello and welcome to a special after-match edition of Head in the Game here at Queen's GEA. The game has just finished out on the Dub Arena and it's Maynooth, the visitors, who've come out on top nine points to eight in a very close-fought contest. I'm joined now by two journalists who were working on the game, by Oren Crumley of the Gaelic Life and by Mickey Brennan of Northern Sound FM. Mickey, what did you make of the game? Yeah, um, as a neutral there, uh, commentating on the game for yourselves today... Uh, Brilliant game of football, considering uh, the time of the year it is, as in it was an enthralling game of football. Minute dominated possession, um, but the tactics that Shane Holland had had put his team out to play worked a treat. Um, they went in one point down at half time, and Minute must have been kicking themselves. They just they, they owned the ball in that first half, but they just couldn't seem to break down uh, the defensive setup that um, Shane Holland had set up uh, his team to do. Second half. Queen's much the better team um, and would be disappointed not to have won that game and I suppose it all pivoted on a decision by the referee Barry Cassidy uh, towards the end of the game there were about 10 minutes to go well I'll tell you what I'll let you come back to it then Connor. but it, it was a massive point in the game uh, Oren what about yourself? Yeah, I think coming into the game, I mean, Shane said afterwards that Queens are always going to be the underdogs never again they come into. He says that they wanted to make themselves hard to beat, and that's something they've done today. I mean, St Mary's are another dog outside, seeing Queens have a lot of tendencies they have, and maybe the sort of same patterns and formations that they'll set up with. I think that'll stand to them coming against NUIG, who are a very good side, but I think it can only help Queens. Maybe it's coming thick and fast. You think the fixture's coming Wednesday or Thursday next week, but I mean, Niall Keenan, that's the first football he's played this year. I mean, Ben Creeley's just coming back from, I think, a long hamstring, he may be nine months. I mean, Obviously, we're speaking now, you're hinging on, you don't know how Glenn Gorman have done, so you don't know if Orrin Eastwood and James McCauley are going to be sitting in an Ireland club final or if they're going to be available next week. I mean, they're going to be two starters, so it'll be a huge boost to have two, those two lads back. You mightn't, but if you have them back, it's, that's going to be a massive, massive help to Shane Mulholland's side. Absolutely. Were there any players in particular on either side that uh, stood out for you? Who, who was really controlling the game? Uh, let's start even with Maynooth. On the Maynooth side, I suppose you have to look at big Patrick Fogarty inside. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. He kicked five points. He's a real presence in the whole game. I mean, Daryl Lyons, I think he was took off, but he, he ran himself under the ground. They dominated midfield. I think Daniel Courtney in there, I think he was maybe that Kildare on their 20s set up. He's a very strong player. He's driving runs, and that's very hard to break down. But aside from that, I suppose you look at the, you're looking at the Derry lads and the the Queen's defence, like Niall Keenan and Clucker, Connor McCluskey, they're two very, very, I mean, you didn't see the corner forwards of the main new flads, maybe didn't pick up the ball too much. I mean, Ryan Trainer was, he grew into the game, I think he maybe struggled at the start, he was sort of that link man, and if the ball doesn't come, you can be made to look very silly there, but he came under, he's kicked three points from freeze, and three points in a game where he scored eight, massive, you need those scores. I think Maynuf had ten wides, Queen's a seven, and but you say both sides had missed enough to win any game, but, I mean, yeah. That's this time of the year you're going to kick away. Lads, the legs are heavy. They're playing with county, so you're just looking forward to the next day and trying to whoever makes the least mistakes is going to win games of football. Yeah, like like Oren said, uh, Porrick Fogarty from uh, Minute, the captain of the Minute team, thought he was excellent at, at, at full forward. He was always an outlet. He's well able to win his own ball out in front, win it up high. He's a big, awkward full forward, you know. Like and um, he did very well. I thought Niall O'Donnell at centre half forward was was excellent as well. In fact, down the middle they were brilliant, and I think. Jason Gibbons receiving that black card. That was a massive blow for Minute as well in that first half. On the um, Queen's side of things, I thought that James McMahon was the, the from Anaman was absolutely outstanding uh, playing that um, sweeper role. Um, Daniel Guinness 
what an engine, uh, what a player. I thought the substitutes did very well that came in as well. Um, Emmett Dean, Connor Martin, Ben Creeley, you know, Niall Allison and Jack McCant, they all played a part when they came into that uh, field in the second half. And, um, you know, uh, Niall Keenan, Oshin Lappin, defensively, you know, you can't you can't single out any of the players because they were absolutely brilliant in defence. Maybe just going forward, uh, they just lacked a little bit of uh, confidence in their shooting. But um, you know, a lot of players stood out for me there today on the Queens team. Yeah, I suppose uh, early on Queens found it quite difficult to make the ball stick up top, um, and it was sort of when Queens had broken out, it was it was coming back down the field quite quickly and Maynooth enjoyed very, very long spells of possession. In fact, it was almost like watching a basketball press for long periods of the first half. It was a, a strange sort of shape of a game. Um, Queen's adjusted in the second half, obviously, then, and the, and James Smith and then Ryan Trainer inside give him a bit of a better option. But I suppose we better get to that controversial moment in the second half. And uh, for anyone who, who hasn't had a chance to see it, it essentially appeared that the Maynooth cornerback turned around and just right in front of the referee pushed Ryan Trainer over in the square as the ball was landing. Uh, what did you make of that? It was comical because you heard the response from the crowd. The crowd went mad. They presumed that the referee was going to blow the whistle. And because the crowd were so loud, I actually thought that the whistle had to have been blown. But I saw the play continuing and Barry Cassidy waving his hands, telling the players to come on out the field. Um, As you described it, Connor, it was uh, a ball out in the left-hand wing it was played into the square. Ryan Trainer was going up to, he, he could have either flicked it or he could have caught it and turned and buried it into the net. But it was a certain goal. There's no doubt about that. Um, the cornerback, Mark Highland from uh, Kildare for a minute, wearing number four on his back, he turned around with his back to the ball and just literally put his two hands on Ryan Trainer's chest as he went to jump and pushed him to the ground. It was a dead cert penalty. Um, I know that Jerome Quinn was here today recording the game and he's going to have a high definition, high resolution uh, camera with him today that's going to show it and I'm sure that everybody will get a bit of a laugh out of it but it's no laughing matter for Queens. They lost by a pint and that that decision was crucial or yeah, Mark, Mark Highland made absolutely no attempt to play the ball as you said he, he didn't even face the, the play coming in I mean Barry Cassidy's maybe going to be left with a, a red face and experienced inter-county referee he's not going to want to see that come back up but as we already alluded to I mean three points at that game assuming the penalty goes into the net it's a massive score the momentum swifts to Queens and I think they get over the line at that stage but now they don't get the penalty they lose by a point they're facing down the barrel of a backdoor game against one of the favourites at the start of the competition while Maynouf are walking on to potentially it looks like maybe the, the handier side of the draw. I think St Mary's might be clapping their hands looking at what's coming through, but I mean, again, I don't know how he doesn't give that penalty. Yeah, I suppose I don't want to dwell too much on it. We all know referees. A, a, a tough a tough gig, um, but it was almost, I suppose, like uh, like Barry Barry Cassidy couldn't believe the cheek of the of, of Highland in placing the hands on on his che- on Ryan Trainer's chest the way he did. Oren alluded to it earlier on as well. He said, uh, you know, how the minute had 10 wides, but... Um, uh, Queens had seven wides. Now, the thing about Minute's 10 wides, a lot of them were from outside the scoring zone. Um, they were out narrow angles, sideline kicks, 45 metres plus out, and uh, they just weren't you know, proper options to be taken. Whereas the Queens, a lot of the Queens uh, wides in the second half were, you know, edge of the D stuff, you know, in that scoring zone and they could have could have easily been scores. So I think it's just a matter of practice. You know, you just got to get out, you got to get kicking ball, you know, get, get the lads doing their shooting drills in around that scoring area because, you know, you could see the potential was there. Maybe 
the, the fact that there was a little bit of pressure on them at, uh, in the second half to try and get back on level terms or get that lead, maybe that was a little bit of a factor. But, you know, um, you still have to take the positives from they made and created those scoring chances in that scoring zone. Yeah, the, the one thing maybe you did notice was that transition from defence to attack. You got plenty of bodies back, but you need those bodies to go forward again. I mean, it's your 10s and 12s, your wing half forwards that need to get back up. I mean, you've seen there, Ryan Chainer maybe was a wee bit exposed. He could have two men sitting in front of them. I mean, if lads get back a lot quicker and they get forward, they were sitting in front of him. I mean, Kieran Hughes, I know he was called ashore. It was maybe a bit harsh. He, he couldn't get the ball into him. Anytime the ball was kicked in, it was broken. There was somebody else gathering it up. I mean, the next day, you talked about the sort of basketball style formations. We've seen that at the end with, I think it was maybe the second last score of the game. was worked. Queens must have kept the ball for nearly three minutes and it was actually Niall Keenan the cornerback popped the ball over the bar I mean that's you have to say to your forwards next time I mean if you get that half an inch half a yard you have to take that shot you have to back yourself because obviously these lads are playing Sigerson football for Queen's University they're playing county football they're good enough to put the ball over the bar from 30-35 yards there was stepping out of the pitch there today you know, maybe would have thought there was a bit of a breeze that lads weren't shooting there was no breeze you have to back themselves I think there's not much time to work on a lot from the next day you talk about it but I suppose as we already alluded to, get get them out, get the boys putting the ball over the bar. I mean, because that's the only thing, it's confidence. And confidence is a massive issue. I think we've seen it throughout county games throughout the year. You just need to put the ball over the bar, back yourself to put the ball over the bar. And when it goes over the bar, as we see in these games, it's massive scores because every inch is nearly like a mile in a Sigerson football game. No doubt. And you men, of course, are covering football games all around uh, the north and inter-county and club games. Uh, just suppose to finish on a general note about Sigerson football, uh, what do you think the value of the competition is these days? Obviously, the circumstances in which uh, I'm sure there were players on both teams there who had probably been limited enough in terms of the amount of training sessions they, that they could get done with being pulled here and there by uh, county teams. Um, where do you think Sigerson sits in 2019? Um, does it have a key role in the GAA calendar? Uh, look, that's a <laughs> that really is a tough question. It's a, it's all about the calendar. Do you know, um, we can't seem to get it right either way. You know, there's talk of 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 all these calendars coming out that they're trying to ease the pressure on county players that are playing with their club, playing Sigerson football as well. It's 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 a minefield. Um, you know, Sigerson football obviously has a massive part to play um, and it has a massive role in the GAA. Um, how how do you, I suppose, merge them all? It's it's just, the calendar's a mess, Oren, and I, I don't see it being ever being fixed. It's just there's too much going on. Um, you can't get rid of Sigerson, um, but Sigerson this year also is a backdoor system. So that's the first year of it, I think, and the Freshers has gone to um, a group so it's not knockout anymore. So you're just giving these players more and more football. You know, you've spoken about the Sindendas lads who aren't available for Queen's at the moment because they're in the um, All-Ireland uh, Intermediate Club semi-final. You know, it's it's it, it, there's so much football at, at the same time. And, and you look at club football then during the summer, and there's no club football played during the summer. It's county, and that's just it. Like, our, our, my own club didn't play for nine weeks last summer. And yet, you come to, like, September or um, October, and you're cramming games in. The same in January, February, and March, uh, up until the, the National League starts. So it's it's like, it's a minefield. I, I don't see how, how you can fix it, but, you know, you have to have Sigurdsson football at the same time. Yeah, I would agree that the Sigerson competitions obviously it's prestigious. You need to find time for it, but where you find the time for it's another matter. I mean, lads feeding into it's okay saying they've they're not playing. They're, you see these suspicious injuries coming up with Sigerson lads that the the county managers are putting the if you don't play for me, you're not going to play again. And a lot of people don't want to admit to say, oh my county managers great, they're doing this, they're helping me, but they're not. We know those pressures are there. I mean, 
Queens and NEIG, everybody in the back door, as we said, there's there's more games they're going to be playing Allianz League games starting next weekend. I mean, it's very hard if you see maybe your county, the big games you've trained since November last year, you've played since you're under eights to try and get yourself to that level. I know you're going to have to try and make your best effort. I mean, Throne playing in the Dr. McKenna Cup final last year, it's or sorry, last night, they had seven lads away with Jordanstown. I mean, out of those seven lads, I would say maybe you have two guaranteed starters. The rest of the lads have been maybe trying to battle for their positions and get into the league now. The serious stuff, they mightn't get that chance that they maybe would have gotten the McKenna Cup. But I think maybe their argument, if there's too many games, you're cramming in club championships. Argument could be made for the Sigerson to fix it in the calendar year. would play it right after the Ryan Cup when maybe November and December, yes, there's lads that aren't going to get action because of their clubs and there's no off-season for them. But as I say, there's no perfect option. Being a very, very good footballer and representing your county and your club being successful, you've been penalised not getting to play in these competitions because you only have certain opportunities to play Sigerson football. You only have certain times to play them because, hello, boys might want to think it that way. You're not going to be doing it all your life. So that's just as tough. There's no perfect solution. It's for boys to think a lot higher than our pay grade to try and get <laughs> to sort it out. And they can, so I don't think it's a, it's a headache we're going to solve sitting here today. Like. Well, indeed, we'll leave it to them. Lads, thanks very much for the hot take after the game here. And uh, look, uh, hopefully Queens can rebound on Wednesday night. Uh, so that game will be here at the dub at the minute. We think it's going to be half six or seven o'clock on Wednesday evening. Um, but we will update all of our followers on social media with uh, an exact time in the, the the next 24 hours or so after we've had a chance to agree that fixture. So um, thanks to everybody uh, listening to this uh, reaction straight after the match. Um, thanks to Mickey for the commentary. Thanks to Oren for the coverage with Gaelic Life and we'll chat to you soon.